الجزيره بودكاست gunfire between afghan and pakistani border forces a major crossing for trade and travel between the two countries has been closed so what's caused this latest flare up and what does it mean for people on both sides of the border i'm tom mccray and you're listening to the inside story podcast where we dissect analyze and help define major global stories Well, for more on this, I am now joined by our guests, Faz Zalant, Professor of Political Science at Kabul University. In London is Ozala Nimat, Director of Development Research Group, a consultancy focusing on women and youth development in Central and South Asian countries. And in Islamabad is Ayaz Wazir, a career diplomat and Pakistan's former ambassador to Afghanistan. A warm welcome to you all. Thank you very much for being on Inside Story. Yaz, I want to start by uh, trying to figure out exactly uh, what you think happened. I mean, have you been able to pinpoint exactly why the the border crossing was closed? This border and the one which Kamal Haider also mentioned, uh, uh, Chaman, uh, these are the two important uh, crossing points, though there are others like Ghulam uh, Khan and Angurada that also uh, uh, some transaction takes place. But these, the other two are the major links between the two. Now, what happened actually uh, this day was that, uh, according to the report, a patient was uh, brought uh, to be brought to Pakistan for treatment, and the unwritten agreement between the two sides for quite some time was that with each patient, one attendant would be allowed without a visa. This I heard from people around. I'm not privy to the official document. So on this day, the uh, patient had one attendant with him, which was turned down, according to the media report by the Pakistani security, that uh, you better get a visa and then come. So on this, the tension grew to this point that the Afghani uh, uh, gentleman on, on, on the spot, who was con- the senior one or in charge of the Turkham check post from the Taliban side, immediately closed the border, which still is closed. And uh, so it flared up uh, uh, and the firing took place between the two. Now, this issue of the patient is not that important, but it flared up because the trust deficit between the two sides is an increase, gradual increase, since the Taliban have taken over. In fact, between Islamabad and Kabul, the trust deficit has always been there. A time it widens, then it comes down. Its roots are deep down in the early days of uh, the creation of Pakistan. But let me leave that there. Mm. So the tension increases with uh, with some things like this because the border management has been a problem between the two sides. Uh, then comes in the Durand line issue between the two Afghan sides though unofficially or officially even one can call, is uh, is recognizing the Durand line, but publicly they are hesitant to admit. Mm. And Pakistan considers it as an international border with Afghanistan. Obviously, uh, the issue goes a lot deeper than just, uh, you know, issues over over visas. Um, Faz, from an Afghanistan point of view, I mean, a, a Taliban-appointed commissioner at the crossing said that Pakistan has not been abiding by its commitments. What are the commitments and how is this issue being perceived in Afghanistan? 
Yes, yes. Uh, thank you. Uh, actually, uh, since the inception of uh, uh, Pakistan, Pakistan never uh, support uh, Kabul-based government. Uh, they never supported uh, a government which is uh, looking after Afghanistan as a united uh, uh, and sovereign country. Uh, Pakistan has also supported anti-government, anti-state uh, uh, factors. Uh, if we see uh, even uh, uh, the return of Taliban could not satisfy Pakistan wish uh, to have a neighbor on the side which could be assisted in many ways, economical, uh, political and social. Uh, uh, Taliban, once they returned to power, uh, they were uh, believing that Pakistan will uh, stay as a close friend as a close ally and as a close supporter. But uh, uh, since the Taliban are back in power, uh, they have been demonized, uh, they have been uh, scrutinized by Pakistani governments and uh, military. Uh, they, uh, for their first time in the history of Afghanistan, uh, especially uh, the recent history, Pakistan uh, air, uh, uh, aerial uh, power, uh, they bombarded Afghanistan, they got inside Afghanistan while it was considered uh, 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 a severe uh, anti-state act by Taliban in Kabul. And it has uh, uh, created a lot of uh, mistrust uh, between both uh, governments. Mm. Secondly, uh, Pakistan itself uh, domestically is facing uh, uh, too many tensions, uh, political, economic, and social. The Pakistani uh, uh, democratic leadership and also military leadership has not been able to stabilize uh, their own court, their own country. So they have been looking for some blaming uh, in the region. Uh, recently, they have been having uh, such troubles and problems, not only with Afghanistan, but Iran and also India. There are uh, 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 problems have been arose. Uh, the very last thing is uh, the transit uh, uh, agreements between Afghanistan and Pakistan. There is a very prominent agreement by the name of APTA, which is not been respected by Pakistan, and it has never been uh, uh, considered as an official uh, document by Pakistan in past many years. And then once the Taliban took power, they also raised the issue of APTA to be implemented. Due to APTA, uh, Pakistan will have a transit route to yep. Central Asia through Afghanistan, while okay. Afghanistan will have uh, uh, a route to uh, Waga uh, to take uh, its uh, exports and import to India, which is not respected, and it has been creating a lot of problems for Afghans economically, socially, and politically. Okay, Ozala, I would like to um, bring you in here. Obviously, this is a uh, big humanitarian issue. Who's paying the the, the price here um, on both sides of the border? Who are the real people that are that are being affected in their daily lives? Uh, thank you very much uh, for for this question. Um, just before I go to the humanitarian aspect of this, uh, I have to remind our audience that uh, this border is laying on the Duran line, which is still contested. Uh, most of the Afghans, in particular those who live on both sides of this border, are not formally recognizing the Duran line. And so the contestation is reflected in some of these reactions that we see are somehow supposedly out of the government control. Um, and it's obvious that uh, even though Afghanistan today has the most Pakistani-friendly uh, regime in place, uh, still there are tensions, there are situations like this. So we, let's not forget that uh, within this context, the, the closure of the border is also 
a, a political act and it's like a pressure point by the, the by the parties involved in order to pressurize each other uh, and now who is paying the price from a humanitarian perspective it's absolutely clear that it's the afghans who are paying the huge price here because the afghans are in a very uh, uh, um, concerning situation at the moment there is a humanitarian crisis in the country with absolute majority of the people in need of food immediate services and in particular medical services which is going uh, getting worse actually due to the limitations that Afghanistan is facing today so a lot of those patients who are in urgent need elderly particularly who are in urgent need of caring and treatments in Pakistani cities of Peshawar or Islamabad are now the, the prime um, uh, uh, aff uh, affected people. In addition to that, Torham border, similar to Chaman border, as was mentioned by your other guest, uh, are places where the livelihoods of absolute majority of those who are res resided locally or regionally in those areas is depending. So people in the local level are losing their jobs. The traders from both sides, the Pakistani side as well as the Afghan side, are also losing a lot when we have more than uh, like your reporter says, more than 300 or 500 trucks are kind of stuck there. And we have seen so many times this happen. It's not the first time, unfortunately. Uh, and the firing is because uh, uh, I think there is this tension that is out of the control of the states uh, who cannot really maintain that level of um, stability there to, to, to have it. So conclusively, it's the people who are paying the price, like any other tension, like any other conflict, mm -hmm. and particularly those whose health conditions or livelihoods is directly depending on this border being opened. Ayaz, obviously this isn't just uh, an issue in Afghanistan. I mean, it's an important trade route for, for Pakistan as well. Uh, I mean, how much of an appetite is there to keep this border closed? Or is there any pressure coming on authorities uh, from the people that live in the area that need to do trade in the area from the Pakistani side to, to open the border up as soon as possible? Well, if you permit me, I'll make a comment on what my friend from Kabul said about the earlier uh, reaction of Pakistan towards Kabul. He said no government in Kabul was recognized uh, in the true sense by Pakistan. In fact, let's, let's not create things from ourselves. I'll give you a historical perspective that after the creation of Pakistan in 1947, in August 47, Pakistan applied for membership of the UN and on 30th of September 1947, all the members of the UN voted for Pakistan to become a member except for Afghanistan, which cast negative vote, didn't vote for Pakistan. They raised objection. But that objection remained for 20 days only. But on 20th October 47, they took it back. But the first stone was cast by the Afghans, not by the Pakistanis. The rest is a history. If we go into, let's let's avoid blame game. What I said, I challenge my friend from Afghanistan to check with the UN if I have said a word more than what actual history is, then you can blame me for it. But the first beginning was made by the Afghans, and they still have reservation on the Durand line which we consider as an established fact, mm -hmm. because that was done by the British government in 1893 when Pakistan was not there. It was a part of the Indian subcontinent. The British and the Afghan ruler, Abdurrahman Khan, 
Sir Durand line. They signed this agreement between them and Pakistan, got it as a successor state. My friend should check with the UN and, uh, and uh, according to the international law, that a su successor state inherits what treaty has already been made. So it was not drawn by Pakistan. Pakistan got it. But the Afghans did negative vote or they refused to uh, uh, vote okay. for Pakistan to become a member of the UN. So let's bury it there. Yeah. <laughs> now, come down to the trade or, uh, or the uh, trade activity on the, uh, uh, on the border. Well, that definitely affects both sides. The Afghans more because they, they are dependent uh, uh, mainly on importing goods from Pakistan, though they have access to the other uh, neighboring uh, countries also, having trade with them, but mostly focuses on Pakistan for trade, for education, for treatment of their uh, patients. So this affects them mostly, but certainly our people near the border uh, uh, have uh, close uh, uh, sort of I mean, links with it because they mainly depend on this transit trade uh, for their daily earning because in the tribal area, there is hardly anything for people to live on. So this is the only source I would say, of income of those people. So they are naturally okay. concerned. They would yeah. love that the, the, the border remains open. Okay. Obviously, this has a massive social impact. Um, Faz, millions of Afghans live in Pakistan and many commute uh, on a daily basis between the two countries. I mean, th this, this ties as, as much division as there is and as much history as there is, uh, like we heard outlined there, between the two countries. There's actually a lot in common, and there is a brotherhood between these two nations as well, isn't there? So what does that do to the people that rely on that daily commute between um, Afghanistan and Pakistan? Uh, if we uh, look at the historical perspective, uh, we can uh, come up with uh, a lot of detailed uh, evidence and uh, perspectives that... Uh, Pakistan have always used the Durand land issue as a pressure uh, point uh, on Afghan government in Kabul. Uh, they know that Afghanistan is a landlock and uh, they use this uh, 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 Durand line or this border uh, as an issue to uh, sanctuary uh, on uh, shelter all those anti-state uh, factors uh, on this uh, uh, line on both sides and provide them uh, support to somehow destabilize inside Afghanistan. And that is uh, why the Afghan government in Kabul never uh, 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 never considered Pakistan as a friend. That when Talibans were uh, resisting uh, uh, the U.S. Uh, occupation in Afghanistan in the past 20 years, uh, they were uh, sheltered, uh, protected, and supported by uh, uh, Pakistan government and Pakistan people. But once they return uh, uh, to power, they have been having in their mind and heart all those miseries and difficulties that they went through in past 20 years of resistance in Pakistan. As their leaders were uh, killed, some of their leaders were detained, many of their leaders were sold out to uh, U.S. and uh, Guantanamo. So uh, that revenge is there. Secondly, the mistress, uh, previously uh, your guest has uh, aimed that uh, mistress and the trust deficit is always between uh, mm. Pakistan and Afghanistan, and much of the blame comes to Pakistan. And the very last thing is that uh, if we consider 
this border as a transit route, uh, why Pakistan is not uh, abiding itself to the WTO uh, as Afghanistan is a member also of the WTO in Pakistan. And uh, the international laws uh, and regulations of the transit, why they are not allowing Afghan uh, uh, transports to the Baga, to the India, and also uh, why not allowing uh, Afghan goods uh, to be transported on its momentarily and seasonal uh, uh, route to uh, Karachi. Uh, and uh, the last thing is that uh, uh, the blame game has always come from Pakistan. If Pakistan recognizes uh, the Deirun line as a border, so uh, what have they uh, done to uh, uh, this area, like to the development of this area, to the harmony and stability of this area, mm. and what have been uh, achieved by them? We know that still uh, Taliban have been blaming uh, regarding the recent attacks and uh, resistance and uh, turmoil that is going on since the Taliban took power uh, to uh, Pakistani side, that many of the uh, uh, attackers, many of the instability factors are still coming from uh, that side. While Pakistan is blaming the Taliban for uh, Pakistani Taliban uh, 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 shelters. And yeah. so that blame game is uh, always there. But we should not forget that. Uh, uh, that Britain in 1893 have never signed an agreement with Afghanistan. It was a buffer zone, and Afghanistan at uh, that time was playing a buffer state, uh, and that region was uh, considered as a buffer zone between the imperialist uh, Anglo uh, uh, and Afghan government at that time. Yeah, indeed. Um, I just want to move uh, away from the, the history uh, for the moment, and um, in Ozala, you touched on this uh, a little bit earlier, and I want, want you to expand on it. Uh, you know, many Afghans travel to Pakistan for medical um, treatment. Can you explain just how big an issue that is and what happens, what's happening to them now and are lives being put at risk with this border closure? Precisely, as you are uh, well aware, and I'm sure the two guests uh, uh, in the programme as well, Unfortunately, uh, due to the long years of conflict and also due to the current uh, uh, Taliban authorities' bans on, on education, there is a massive shortage of medical uh, services, particularly medical uh, at the more advanced level of medical diagnosis and treatment for the people in Afghanistan. So Afghans are left with no other options but to rely on their immediate neighbors. In the past, India was a very uh, sort of like significant destination, but because of the visa and restrictions on travels, no longer people can go to India. So everyone is back to like using this option of saving a life and then taking the person who is ill. Uh, if we all look around, our relatives, our friends, our networks of people, everyone on average, every family have been to Pakistan once or twice at least uh, just for the medical treatment. So it's quite significant. What is really bothering, and particularly as Mr. Ayaz Khan was also saying in, in his comments, how this immediate uh, uh, issue was triggered because something was agreed between Afghanistan and Pakistan in the recent months which was to because there is no visa uh, now issued in an easy way. There are like black market visas with 1,200 or so that dollars that you have to pay, you can get a, a Pakistani visa. But uh, for the medical reasons, because of the pressure from the people, uh, the Pakistani government and the, the Taliban have made an agreement that, okay, there should be a, another procedure to allow the patients with one attendant 
to, uh, to cross the border for the uh, medical treatment. I know my own relatives living in the Eastern Afghanistan who used this like two weeks ago, uh, uh, husband and wife very ill with their one uh, son got to the border and crossed it and went for treatment and returned back to Afghanistan. So if something like this exists uh, as a neighborhood, as a brotherhood, we were talking about it earlier, uh, why is it immediately uh, stopped? Uh, and that obviously creates tension. And we are talking about a very unstable situation. People are in deep economic crisis. And of course, these things trigger uh, something that is originated in history. We cannot uh, pack history or fold it in a folder somewhere. This is a history that affects people's lives. I said, I never said that uh, about Pakistan. Pakistan didn't exist in the time the Durand Line was uh, created. I think historical discussions were enough uh, made before me, so I will not repeat it. But it's just a realization because of that contestation that exists, people do not recognize this. And therefore, when there are change in the policies, for whatever reason, whether it is geopolitics or pressure point, as mentioned before, or any other reasons, could be random reasons, it triggers re immediate reaction of the people and hence results into the tensions that we are seeing today. Okay. Ayaz, I want to finish with you uh, just very briefly. Uh, as a former ambassador, how does this get resolved uh, quickly and peacefully um, and to get the border reopened for, for everyone that desperately needs to use it as a trade and, and uh, supply route? Well, give me just uh, a moment to uh, uh, comment on uh, uh, why this triggers up uh, so uh, very often with the Taliban particularly. Because the Taliban, before the Taliban coming into power, the visa restrictions were there, but they were not so stringent hmm. during uh, Karzai or Ashafghani's uh, period as they are now. Now the Taliban has taken that very seriously. That look, we are your friends. For us, it should have been a little more lenient than uh, uh, making it difficult. That is the real bone of contention. Whereas <clears throat> its uh, links go very deep in the history. Okay. So if we Just quickly, though, how do we how, how do we move on from that? I, I was just going to, to, to mention it. I think the first and foremost, or the most important element, is that both the governments in Islamabad and Kabul should accept and regret the past mistakes. I'm not going into the detail. Both have committed. Islamabad have committed, Kabul have committed. They should forgive and forget and regret and then move on. Until and unless that is addressed, these things will keep cropping up and uh, uh, straining our relations. Uh, whatever effort we may make, something will happen and will again uh, shadow that development. There are good patches in our history, but again, this thing comes up and the good development between the two uh, pushes to the back and the tension or the uh, trust deficit increases. So for that to address, we have to go into the history and the two governments have to come up with this idea that we regret on our deeds in the past and we move like two independent sovereign states uh, hand in hand and resolve the issues of our people. Well, let's hope uh, for everyone's sake uh, that is affected that uh, those two governments can, can come to a resolution as quickly as possible. Thank you so much. That is uh, Faz Zaland uh, in Kabul, Ozala Namat in London, and Ayaz uh, was there in Islamabad. Thank you very much for being guests on Inside Story.
This episode was produced by Shabina Khan, Nihad Al-Abdi, Fongi Nguyen and Paul Taylor. Studio sound was by Yara Atala. The program was edited by Alexander Kohler, Lynn Nguyen and Joe DeFrias. Be sure to subscribe to the Inside Story podcast to catch every episode. Thank you for listening. Tune in on Wednesday for our next episode. Thank you.